You're now listening to episode 117 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Brandon Hall and Tom Caselli joined here today with MC Lobshear, host of the Cashflow Ninja Podcast, Cashflow Specialist, and educator with Producers Wealth and Producers Capital Partners. Today, we speak with MC about the infinite banking concept, the current state of the economy, and what's ahead, where MC is currently keeping his money, captive insurance, and so much more. MC, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Would you be able to give our listeners a bit of information on your background and what you do? Awesome. Well, I appreciate uh, being on the show. Excited to, excited for our conversation. My name is MC Lobsher. As you can hear, um, I'm not a resident of the state in which I reside in the United States, a natural uh, uh, resident. I'm originally from South Africa. I reside in uh, Newtown, Pennsylvania currently. So I'm the uh, president of Producers Wealth. We are a wealth strategy firm that, that serves clients virtually in, uh, in all 50 states. And we've been virtual since, uh, fully virtual since 2015. And then I'm also the creator and host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast um, and also the Cashflow Investing Secrets. We're one of the top rated business and investing podcasts on iTunes um, with listeners uh, globally where we share more about cash flow and how to generate cash flow from real estate, uh, businesses, uh, commodities, paper assets, and also the exciting crypto and blockchain space. And, um, you know, I've been uh, on this journey for about two decades now since I purchased my first real estate property when I discovered cash flow uh, after reading Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and then I, you know, uh, discovered the power of banking, which led me to to pursue the the becoming your your own banker strategy, the infinite banking strategy, in a lot of the the businesses that I do and personally, um, and uh, I've got a sports background, which um, has really uh, helped um, amplify everything that I do in business because I took I took a lot from what I what I what I did in sports. And what I've learned from sports and applied it to to business and investing, and it's been a, it's been a, a, a great journey. Awesome, awesome. So, at, at what point? At what point in you know, in your life did you did you become you know obsessed with cash flow as a means to to generating financial independence? Yeah, I I um, I'm a guy that that likes to take action sometimes a little bit too quickly, but I read the book. Um, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I, I I was fascinated with the concept of cash flow and buying your time, which essentially you can do through certain investments. Um, and after I purchased my first first property, and uh, I had tenants in there, I got all I collected all the rent and I pay all of the expenses associated with that property. I uh, I had this epiphany and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I still have money left in my bank account. Like I paid all of the expenses from this rent and I have the money in, uh, money in there. And the, 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 the first thing is, this is amazing. And the second, the second epiphany that I had is how many times can I do this over? 
<laughs> so um, it really uh, showed me the power. And this was this was the first property that I bought, um, which uh, which really just highlighted that for me uh, in my first investment. And then, of course, school starts. Right then, you find out. Things with real estate, such as uh, you know, tenants tenants don't always pay rent, or they might do some damage to your property and all the other fun stuff that goes with it, right? Um, but yeah, it was it was then that that I really uh, saw the power of cash flow and became obsessed with it, and that became a driver in a lot of the things that I that I that I did uh, after that. Um, and it's still one of the the main key drivers in everything that I do today. That's awesome. You know, w one of the things that, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for uh, two or three years, probably one of the biggest podcasts that I've listened to over my career, over like my podcast listening career, if you will. Um, and one of the big things you talk about is the infinite banking concept. And, and we've had someone talk about this recently on the show, but want to get your take. Um, what, what, what is your take on the infinite banking concept and why it's so powerful? Yeah, I just think that it reclaims the banking function within your own life and it, it allows you to put you in control of your cash flow. So the infinite banking strategy is really something that um, is, is something that puts you at the center of it and you're now in control of the cash flows instead of being a little bit out of control with it. You know, here's, here's one of the things that I realized as a real estate investor, because I, you know, <laughs> I learn a lot by doing, unfortunately. I'm trying to learn more of the, of the mistakes that other people may have made in their lives right now. I'm at that stage of my life, right? So I don't have to figure everything out myself. But, but one of the things that I realized is with real estate, uh, without having a proper foundational setup um, and quote unquote, my own bank setup at that stage, Every single time I started to, to build momentum uh, on the real estate side, something would happen, right? Because something happens in real estate occasionally. Rents are not being paid, things break. Um, and then I also had to, always at that stage, I had to fall back on, on, on credit because I, I was undercapitalized. Um, and it's a hard lesson. So every single time you build up some momentum, you know, you take a couple of steps forward, but take many more steps backwards. And it's until I found the infinite banking strategy and learned the power of becoming your own bank um, and having a proper setup, a foundational setup from which you can springboard your investments and, and your business. Once I started realizing that, I mean, every single year, um, my business has grown and, and my, my investment portfolio has grown. So it was a very, very hard lesson. But it it's one of those things that a lot of folks maybe have heard about it. Uh, they figured that there's some sort of life insurance involved with it. And then they completely turn the other way and run as fast as you can. But essentially, you can, um, you can structure and, and position assets uh, very, very efficiently to leverage them to acquire more assets. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about is collateralizing assets. So for example, um, some of my gold holdings, um, there's a way to position your capital effectively with a custodian so that they allow you to borrow up at a certain uh, amount of value of your gold portfolio to leverage that through a loan, right? Collateralized by your gold holdings to then go, for example, purchase real estate. And when I talk about that, everybody's very 
very, very interested about saying, how do you use your goal to buy real estate? And see, that's kind of a ninja trick. And then I would also share that there's now in the very, very fast, uh, fast, fast developing space of crypto and especially the decentralized finance space, there's a lot of crypto banks that would allow you to do the same thing with your Bitcoins. It allows you to borrow against your Bitcoins uh, using your Bitcoins as collateral and then go and purchase, for example, other assets with it. Now, that's very exciting. When I look at the shortfalls of both of those strategies, well, with my gold and my crypto, I can only access up to 50% of the value of them. Um, you know, there's no guaranteed growth in crypto for sure, you know, especially Bitcoin. You know, you've got, a, you've got, a, you've got an asset with a, with a market cap of about 200 billion. It's very small. So there's investors coming in, you get spikes. There's investors leaving, there's spikes on the downside. So it's very volatile still. Gold, still slow moving but there's no guaranteed growth on it. So with the life insurance, if it's structured properly, there's not only the guarantee of the principal, but there's guarantee, a guaranteed growth. You get to participate in the profitability of the insurance company. And by the way, the, the growth is tax-free too. Um, you get to borrow in instances and in the, the, some of the carriers, which I've used and our clients have used up to 90% of the, of the cash value, which is what you use as collateral in those policies with gold and crypto, it's 50%. And then you have other things in there too, uh, such as a death benefit, uh, a disability rider that you can attach to it and LTC provisions. So you look at that and say, when you compare all of it, um, uh, that, that the, the life insurance add, adds a lot of different elements and a lot more guarantees. So I like all three strategies, but the, the life insurance one is still, still my favorite one. And that's essentially what you're doing. So. Um, I think uh, it's, it's helped folks and, and for myself personally to position yourself as the banker, having control over your assets and using what you have to, to, acquire, to acquire more assets without having to sell the underlying asset that you're collateralizing. No, absolutely. Very powerful strategy. And uh, <clears throat> want to thank you for sharing some information on that. One more question on the infinite bank concept. In your in experience, who does this make the most sense for? Who should consider this? At what, at what income level or at what, you know, who, who's the best uh, person for this? Yeah, I mean, it could be set up with uh, at many different income levels where it starts to make sense because it still has an insurance cost to it is if you're, if you're starting to, to, to save at least, you know, 10% of, if someone's making $100,000 a year, I would say it starts to make sense at, at, at about 10,000 um, because it is still an insurance product. Can you do it with less than that? Absolutely. But if you're trying to, to leverage that and scale it quickly, again, it is insurance. The negatives of it is because I like to talk as, uh, you know, about both sides of it. You know, everything isn't just rainbow and unicorns. You have to look at everything and how you actually um, learn and educate yourself and others around you is understanding the, the, the pros and the cons of everything. The cons with the infinite banking is that it's an insurance vehicle. So it takes up time to, to capitalize, right? So the first year, even a very well-structured policy isn't necessarily going to have the same amount of money inside of your policy as what you put into it in premiums. So again, with 10,000, now you're starting to, you're starting to build cash value a little bit quicker, which then is going to make sense to make sense to borrow it against. But essentially, um, one of the big things about cash flow 
is, is through our businesses um, and through our personal economy, our business and our personal economy and our investment economy, it's very, very good to, to have proper infrastructure set up so that there's always a plan of all the money that comes into your, uh, in, into your economy. So when money comes in for business, uh, uh, and if you design your business and position it in, in, in a way, and as part of your strategy, incorporate the profit first model um, from Mike Michalowicz, then you're going to need a sweep account, right? And then you have to compare certain sweep accounts. For me, it's a no-brainer that it goes into a life insurance policy. For my, uh, for my, for my investment side, it's the same, it's the same thing. So, um, yeah, I would say that's kind of at, at the time that it makes sense for folks. But I would also just say the big important thing, if you're building up to that, start setting up an infrastructure to put capital away and sweep it into, you know, just a, a, a savings account to, uh, account to begin with. That's what I did before I started, before I started um, opening up a policy. So that, that's what I would share. Got it. So it's, it's, it's a big savings play at the end of the day. You need to get in the habit of savings first before you take this next step in and commit to the infinite banking policy, basically. Yeah. And the, and the big thing that folks have to understand is you have to have a, um, you have to have a framework for what you're doing, right? And what we teach is we keep things very, very simple. Um, you have to make your money and you make it somehow, whether it's a W2, a 1099, whether you're a business owner whether you're uh, a skilled and highly paid professional. And then that the money that you made has to be, it has to be positioned somewhere. Now, where are you going to position it to protect it from a, from a lot of different things? Number one, but where are you going to position it efficiently? I just use the example of, um, of gold, crypto and, and cash, right? Which is, I guess, three types of money these days. So there's, there's three examples right there. So you have to position it efficiently and then you have to, uh, be able to collateralize that and use it to deploy it to make more money, whether it's back into your business or investments. And then, of course, you have to build a nice wall around that through proper protection. Um, tax strategy, which is what 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 um, the wheelhouse of this podcast is, and of course, that that's your biggest single expense as a business owner, as an employee. It's your biggest expense ever in your in your life. So you have to have proper tax strategy, proper estate planning, proper asset protection uh, to protect your production and your creation, where you position your capital, and also all of the assets that you're building up in the meantime. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So shifting gears to slightly, you know, we are in a very precarious time here in the world, given COVID-19 and just kind of wanted to get your take on what, what sort of like, I guess you could say recession, recession resistant investments are you looking at at this point in time during these, this time? Yeah, I think for folks uh, to understand uh, 2020, and understand, I think we're still in like the first and second innings of a lot of these things. Not necessarily the virus. The virus is one thing. The economic impact and effects, the uh, coming depression um, is uh, we're, we're basically, we have started the biggest wealth, wealth transfer in, in history, I think, on this planet. And I think a lot of folks that, have, that are positioning themselves to where the puck is headed and where it's going uh, are going to be on the right side of this transfer and other folks, unfortunately, that don't see what's coming and just think that this was a virus and it's all over and we're going to go back to, to, uh, to how it was before, I think they're going to get caught completely off guard. And 
Um, so what do I mean by that? You know, recession-proof investments. One, a, a lot of the folks in, in our network, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are business owners and, and, and real estate investors, and we know that the biggest, uh, the biggest return is, it, is back in, into our own businesses, right, in our own portfolio, where we have the, the most control over it. So what do we do to position ourselves for what's coming there? So the first thing is, if you're a business owner, you need to digitize your business like yesterday. Your business needs to be digital. And that if you are a brick and mortar business, there's many, many different strategies and ways of how to do this, of taking an existing business online. Um, restaurants, for example, they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to be very, very creative, but there's already some folks that have, that, that have put out certain models of how to do that. So I'd say from a business standpoint, um, I think one of the things that, 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 that is happening right now is the trains that were already in motion has been sped up by like 10 years. We're like 10, 10 years fast forward. So you're going to have to be digital as a business. As a, as a real estate investor, you're going to have to figure out how to incorporate a lot of digital strategies into your existing business. And what I mean by that is I know physically people are still going to live into buildings, but everything else, you have to think of how you can digitize that and also the complementary things that you can offer to tenants um, as far as management and, and, and make it digital. Um, then as far as an, an investment, I would say, you know, one of the strategies that we've talked about and, and put into play in the beginning of the year was to position in gold, gold and silver and into crypto and into cash. And folks, and cash is dollar. If you're, if you're an international listener, it has to be US dollar. So still, still, the, still the best currency out there of all the fiat currencies. Um, but we've, we've basically spread it across. And if uh, this year it's worked really, really well um, so far, we're still, like I said, in the first and the second inning of it. But I think if you're positioned in those three, um, that's good. But now it also becomes with, within those three, there's, there's a couple of tech technicalities. The first thing is you have to be very, very clear of exactly who your money is worth. Because just like with 2008, what happened there is even if you were right and you shorted the market um, through option strategies, but it, Lehman Brothers or Bayer Stearns was your custodian, uh, then you were in serious, serious doo-doo, right? So you have to figure out who's your custodian with. There's ways to, to, to have a custodian hold your gold and silver, for example, and then hold it yourself. There's ways to do the same thing with crypto. And then when it comes to cash, there's, and you know, and as part of my strategy, uh, there's, there's no better place than mutual insurance companies, mutual insurance companies. We're already seeing that stock companies are in trouble. AIG hate to pick on them, but you know, they're, they're already in trouble and the party hasn't even started again. Um, and then uh, be very, 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 very careful with money in the bank. Uh, after the last crisis, there was re uh, uh, legislation and reg regulations passed that when you deposit money into a bank, you no longer are the owner of that money. You actually gave, lend that money to the bank, right? So you have to be, you have to be very, very careful with that. And if you look at what a lot of big investors are doing, um, such as Warren Buffett, selling a lot of financial, financial institution shares, you have, you have to see that, a, that, a, that, that something, you know, he's preparing for something. And if nothing happens with a strategy, you know, um, if nothing happens, you're still, 
in, in hard assets into innovative, innovative assets and in cash. Um, and I think um, when it comes to real estate, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunities for real estate investors. It's going to be probably one of the best times ever to acquire other businesses and to, to buy more real estate uh, in the next, I would say, in the next couple of years. So, you know, there's a lot kind of to unpack in there, uh, but, you know, one, one thing you kind of, you kind of scared me a little bit, right? So you're saying that right now is not a good time to hold cash in, in, in the bank. Is that, is that what I'm hearing or is I misinterpret? No, I would just say, be very careful, be very careful with large amount of money in a bank. So, uh, you know, from a planning standpoint, you know, I just share what we do. The majority of, of the cash is in mutual insurance companies. Then there's, um, there's a, a one or two months, depending on the time of the month, of operating cash for businesses and our bank and our, our personal economy. Um, and that's also sp- split between accounts um, and with different banks. So yes, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to scare anyone, but I'd rather, I'd rather prepare for something that might or might not happen. And if, I'm, and if we're wrong, then you're still in a, you're, nothing's going to change. If nothing happens, then nothing's going to change. Then you still have your, then you still have money in, se- in separate accounts. You just diversified w- w- uh, over, over a couple of banks. Um, but I am a very, I'm very, very positive person and I'm very optimistic, but the, but I do believe in clarity first because when you're sitting on a train track, it doesn't matter how positive you are. You got to get off that train track first. And then, you know, then you, then you're positive and optimistic. Right. So I still think that we live in one of the most exciting times ever <laughs> right now. Uh, I think we live in very, very exciting times in the next couple of years. And there's going to be a ton of opportunities, but you're just going to have to be extra cautious because I think, um, I think folks might take a lot of institutions around them for granted where, um, yeah, they might not be as solid as, as, as what they thought that they were initially. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's definitely a good statement because I mean, right now we just did another podcast earlier today where, you know, pretty much we discussed how the entire economy is almost being propped up essentially, um, through bailouts and what have you. And really to your point, you know, the, we haven't even really seen the worst of it yet. You know, while COVID may be one thing, to your point again, uh, the actual economic ramifications of COVID are a totally separate thing, and it's it's only a matter of time before the chickens kind of come home to roost. And uh, I think a lot of people haven't taken that into account just yet. Yes. So what we basically did is we had a massive party at a restaurant. We ordered some fantastic wines to explore. We had great, great meals. Great conversation, had a little slight, you know, headache the next day. But at the end of the night, by the way, they came to us and we said, you know, we don't have the money right now for it. How about we pay you at the end of the month? And then at the end of the month, they come to us and we say, well, can we pay you six months from now? The reality is at some stage, they're going to either demand the money from us or get us in the back of the kitchen to start washing dishes, Right. So it's the same thing with what's happened in the economy is that there's been so much money thrown at this, um, but essentially at, at some stage, you know, all this, let's just real estate, let's just use real estate for an example. All these, um, you know, forbearance 
uh, clauses and, and programs, you know, and, and evictions and so forth, um, the freeze and the halt on them, at some stage, I mean, are we just going to infinitely push this forward, you know, as a country and just say that no one will ever have to pay their mortgage really again or pay their rent? No, it would be slightly unrealistic, I guess. I mean, anything's possible, I guess. It's 2020. But at some stage, the, the, it's going to be due. And um, if you just look at the numbers, I mean, you could, you could really get, in, get into the weeds there. But it's very concerning to see already the amount of people that are behind on mortgages, the amount of people that are behind on rent. Um, and then, I mean, commercial real estate is a completely different ballgame. That is, a, that, that, that's a, a topic of conversation for an entire show within itself. But so there's a lot of, there's already, already a la, that in, in problem. Now, who are the people that's going to be in the biggest, um, well, in, in, who's going to get the worst of it, right? The folks holding all of these mortgages. So if you look at who, you know, it, it, it comes back to that, that saying that if I, if I own the, uh, owe the bank $100,000 and I can't pay the bank, well, I'm in big trouble. But if I owe the bank $100 billion, and I can't pay them, who's in trouble? The bank. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. So yeah, I think the, um, like I said, I think the, the party, the party's still going to get started at some stage. Um, I'd be shocked if it doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, it, it would probably be the first time if we just look at where we are, if, if we come out of this and everybody comes out of this with, without scratches and a, you know, a couple of shiners uh, on the other side. Yeah, no, because I mean, this all makes sense. Think about it. Everybody goes and parks their money at the bank, right? Now the banks have your money. The banks uh, have all these loans out on all these homes. Of course, that's what a lot of banks have. And if no one's paying their mortgages, uh, how, how is the bank going to get their money back? And they have all your money, right? Um, you know, so that, that's an issue. And on top of that, if, if people aren't paying their rent, uh, how are how are the landlords going to have the money to pay their mortgage? And it's this whole cycle, and it's just it's very scary. Um, and I'm not, yeah, it's, to your point before, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but it it is it's, it's a legitimate concern um, yeah. in today's economy. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, like I I would just say too for folks listening to this is you know just see what's what's happening, uh, get clarity and understand what you know what could potentially how this could play out. I mean, the Fed might just come in and buy everyone. You know, and then the party's over. I don't know. No, you know, nobody knows what uh, what's what's going to be what what's going to be the end game here. But just understand what what's what's happening, so that you can take necessary steps to protect yourself and your family and your business and your real estate investments. Um, and that, that 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 that's I think like the big thing is just to be aware of what's going on and not be caught off guard with this, because I think a lot of folks will get caught off guard with this. And then there's a lot of folks that would. I mean, this is going to be the greatest time for many, many folks. It's already been 2020 in the, the network that, that I'm involved with and, and part of. There, there are folks that have lost 30 to 40 pounds, changed their lives. There are folks that have started businesses um, and turned it into six-figure businesses. And by the, end, by the end of this year, it's probably going to be seven-figure businesses. And they, they just started it in, in 2020. So um, I guess it's all, it's all how, you, how you look at all these things, right? Um, I, I wouldn't say it's unprecedented times. Um, there has been many times like this. There will continue to be many, many times like this. 
there has been pandemics in the world. We, we just haven't experienced one. Um, there's going to be massive, massive, um, uh, I would say, volatility. There's going to be disruption because there's a lot of other unknown variables that are thrown into this too. Uh, I would say the digital age is, is fully here. It's been here for a while, but you throw in now all the other stuff that, that, that's coming in with it, the uh, artificial intelligence, the robotics, um, the, the uh, adoption right for crypto and blockchain technologies and so forth, that it's gonna be a, there's gonna be a ton of disruption. But I think for folks that are enthusiastic, excited, and see what's coming down, coming down the line and position themselves, I think that they can turn this into probably one of the greatest times uh, of their lives. And I, I would just say that it's to each person to decide where you're going to see yourself on this, on, uh, in this, during this time, right? So uh, talking about some of like how, can, how real estate investors can position themselves and protect themselves, what, what are some things that they could do to protect themselves? You mentioned that cash in the bank might not necessarily be a good idea. What, what, what options are available? Um, and, and what sort of opportunities in real estate do you sort of expect? I know that we're asking you to look into the crystal ball, which is, uh, probably a little bit of a faux pas, but, um, the tough you know, business, what, the crystal ball business, yeah, it's really tough, but you're either, you're either looking really good or really bad either way. Right. Um, <laughs> but no, so, so what in the groups that you're in, what sort of things are they talking about in terms of what they see coming down the pipeline, maybe over the next year or two? Yeah, I think for real estate investors, so cash is cash is going to be very important. So I would just say that if it isn't a bank, I mean, you, there's many places to keep cash, insurance companies, cash on hand, you know, in a vault, uh, some cash spread over different, uh, uh, different bank accounts, right? Cash is going to, you're, you're going to need cash. Um, I talk about cash confidence quite a lot. Um, you need at least, I mean, you would, I would say we usually, we usually say to folks having six, a minimum of six months of reserves at all time, you need to probably increase that to 12 months. You know, that's what we did at the beginning of the year, the, this year. So 12 months burn right for your business, for your, in, your, uh, your real estate, and then also for your family. You definitely need to have that. And then, of course, you, you need some exposure to anti-fiats. And anti-fiats is just gold and, and some crypto. Now, some folks are not comfortable with crypto and that's fine just have some exposure to to some gold and sil silver a lot of folks have had five percent of their portfolio in it ten they've increased that we've seen uh big investors like ray dalio just increased his holdings to 20 percent we've seen um world famous and legendary traders on, on wall street like paul tudor jones up to two percent of his entire portfolio into bitcoin early this year as an as a hedge just because it's anti-fiat. So have some exposure to anti-fiats, have cash on hand. From a real estate uh, standpoint, is really, really um, comb through your, your operations, know your efficiencies, look at all of that. And also it's probably, I mean, most real estate investors listening to this has probably done this already, but maintain an open dialogue with all of your tenants. It, you know, the last time, well, you don't want to wait until you have to collect rent to start a conversation with tenants. You want to have, you want, you want to be in communication with them and navigate through this because there might be some folks that won't be able to pay you that you're going to have to work out uh, some, some um, I would say some discounts with or adjust rent or 
give folks a discount to pay early. There, you know, there are some strategies of, of exactly how to do that or even include something if they're paying rent early on a month, an Amazon gift card, you know, that I've seen certain folks do. Um, and then also stress test your investments. Um, because as I, as I mentioned, especially the multifamily folks, you might, there might be a, a, a large amount of folks not paying rent. So that's what I would say is really, really be on top of your operations. Be, get ahead of this with them, uh, with the tenants, with communication um, and figuring out ways to, to make this work because, you know, you're going to have to, you know, <laughs> because the, the market for, for, for rentals, you know, you, you might still in certain markets be able to get renters. There are folks moving. I mean, we, we're seeing a migration right now in this country that, I, uh, that, that that's quite incredible to witness. So you, you might be able, depending on which market you're at, find new tenants and find them very, very quickly, or you might not. So um, that's what I would say is just make sure you understand where your, your cash is, have cash on hand, get some exposure to anti-fiats, and then stay on top of your operations, communications, and so forth. And um, then also explore all the other properties that, you know, you could put on a wish list uh, in, in the future, right? No, for sure. And one thing I just wanted to comment comment on real quick uh, that migration is it's 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 uh, it's very true right now, right? So I live in New York. <clears throat> My buddy is trying to convince me yesterday to move back to New York City um, because the prices to rent apartments in New York City are so cheap because nobody wants to live there. Everybody's moving out to the suburbs of New York City. People are moving, and we've had another person on the podcast very recently moving to other states like Florida, like Texas, and it's yeah, happening yep. at a very rapid clip. And what's going to happen, what, what I'm already seeing is, is like you go, you go to Florida and the prices in Florida are rapidly increasing, rapidly increasing as the prices in New York are rapidly decreasing as a result of this migration. So for all the real estate investors out there, I think that's an indicator of something where your money should be heading, right? But anyway. Yep. And now, absolutely. And the other, and this was another trend that was accelerated and amplified by this, right? So before this, this uh, before 2020, there was a lot of folks already leaving certain states for many different reasons and moving to others. This is just now, now been amplified and to your, and another trend that we're seeing because of um, the new way that people are going to work, which I don't think is going to, it's going to change. I mean, we could have seen in the future that people were going to work remotely. Um, all the studies suggest they're more productive, they're happier, you know, yeah, all, the, all the other things that you can throw on top of it. So it was going to go there anyway. And what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of things that, that come into play now for real estate investors. Number one is that for, uh, for companies, they're able to find the best talent. The job market is going to be completely changed because you now no longer have to move to Silicon Valley to uh, to work for you know one of, one of the fangs right one of, one of those companies you can be in a remote area where you can log on to the uh, internet with internet access and now you can work for one of these companies the Facebooks the Apples the Amazons you know Google Alphabet all of their different companies Twitter all those companies so the job market is going to change folks with with the, the the virus earlier this year, folks are going to um, move out of big cities and move out of big cities for a lot of other different reasons these days than just the virus. But they're gonna they're gonna move out of uh, out of big cities to more remote areas to the country. 
So real estate markets uh, in those areas are going to uh, are going to be the beneficiaries of this, and you know there's going to be opportunities for very very smart uh, real estate entrepreneurs to come in and buy, let's just say, properties at a discount in big major cities and maybe turn turn it into something else. Um, like you mentioned, you know, New York is going to be on sale um, for at least probably uh, another couple of years, depending also on uh, on on many other many other other variables but uh yeah no there you you're definitely gonna you you're gonna have to know uh the trends and the accelerating trends where people are moving to why they're moving how people are going to work how they're going to interact how they're going to go on vacation you know one of the other um niches that i'm very very interested in uh and looking at and um have a partner that's involved with it and i'm involved in in you know, one of these projects now is we're looking a lot at uh, resorts and hospitality properties because it's probably the worst. <laughs> it's one of those things that nobody would touch right now. And that's why we're looking at it um, because there's such a massive, massive um, discount now on all of those properties. Um, and I, I, can I can just see that trend continuing. Um, that is a little bit different than the just office space and, and the retail space, because I think people will still go on vacation to certain areas. Um, people will eventually start traveling again. It's just going to look a little bit different, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot for real estate investors to, to digest and to, to look, to look at during this time because things are accelerating and changing so quickly. For sure, for sure. Look, I, I think I think you're onto something there. At this point, yeah, hospitality might be at a low point, but at some point, people will travel again. People will get back to vacationing. It's not going to happen forever. Um, really interesting point. I'll, I'll point out real quick before I ask uh, before I ask a, a tax related question. Of course, um, is that in some areas hospitality is actually doing really well. Um, invested in a private equity fund. We actually have a hotel in upstate New York. And it's been operating extremely yep. well. I think we have a wait list um, because it's, it's one of the areas that people can actually get away yep. still. So, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting time indeed. Um, but MC, got to ask, we are, uh, a, we are a CPA firm. And we have to ask, what tax strategies are you currently implementing? Uh, or what tax strategies do you use? And, you know, what are your favorite Yeah, ones? there's a couple. Um this year, some of the stuff that I'm adding. So I love tax favorable uh, investments. So I've been an investor in a in a in a carbon invest investment that significantly reduces uh, my income on that, um, and also provides nice cash flow. Um, I uh, love my real estate as a real estate professional, qualified real estate professional. I love I love my my real estate investments, and I'm also in the process of setting up a captive insurance structure. Uh, from a tax standpoint to help me, uh, yeah, help me be even more efficient with taxes. Can you, can you explain the captive piece real quick? Yeah. So essentially a captive insurance structure is a insurance company that you're creating outside of your business. So now captive insurance is, is helps you insure just like any other insurance company. Some of the things that you're doing in your business that you can't go just out in the open market and get insurance for. So I'll use an example this year. So one of my friends had a captive insurance uh, structure set up and he speaks and earns fees for when he speaks. 
So there's not really a policy that you can go out to an insurance company and insure, insure your speaking gigs, um, you know, through, throughout the country. So what he did was he actually, that one of the things as part of his strategy was, was putting money in a, in a captive insurance structure to insure certain things uh, in, his, uh, in his business, also loss of income in case of some things such as that, which was an income generator for him. So because of that, he was able to recapture a lot of lost income from his own insurance company that set up. Now, from a tax standpoint, you know, you guys are the experts, but you can, you can write off the premiums that is paid to the, insur the captive insurance company from, from, your, from your business. So that it helps on that side. And then, of course, insurance companies is one of the greatest businesses, as Warren Buffett has discovered. He was a hedge fund guy, then he was a banker, and now he loves insurance companies for many different reasons. But one of the things that, that he loves it with is the money goes inside there. It's growing tax-free. You have full control over it. You can direct and invest it into other assets. Um, so you don't necessarily lose control of, of the money. And there's in certain instances, ways that you can you can still borrow money from the insurance company, uh, and and to, to to help grow and reinvest your re, well grow your grow your own business. So that I love I love that play. Um, it's a it's a it's a great strategy, um, and it's something that, as part of an overall strategy, um, can help you uh, significantly reduce reduce taxes. You know I love the, I love the tax the the tax uh, uh, the favorable investments and then also the real estate play on that as a real, a real estate uh, professional, but uh, stuff like uh, captive insurance strategies and a couple of other, other things that you can do are, are very, very powerful. Yeah. Captives are always very interesting to learn about. Um, you know, we're definitely not, not too attuned to those. Uh, I think that those are used uh, primarily with folks that are like, uh, or at least to my understanding, I hear about them used with like executives and, and, and business owners that are netting like just a ton of money and they're trying to figure out where to put their money and they can self fund their insurance as a result. Uh, it would, I, I, I do have to just throw out there that uh, micro captive transactions are reportable transactions to the IRS. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I'm going to go do a captive insurance company, just make sure that you do your due diligence, make sure that you do your research, make sure that you get connected with professionals. So I'm sure that I'm sure that MC has, and he's a very smart guy. Um, but I just wanted to throw that little disclaimer out there. I am glad you did because I'm not a cat. I don't do cap captives myself. I have folks that do them for me and they are the yeah. professionals and guide me on every single step and tell me what I can and cannot do. So um, yeah, I'm definitely not a, not, not an expert and I don't play one on YouTube either. Well, it, w one last thing I want to say about insurance is that, you know, the big thing about insurance and why Warren Buffett loves it so much. And I am a big Warren Buffett fan is the ability to re is to invest the float, right? So the amount, the amount of money that's sitting in the insurance company, you just take it and invest it and you can grow that capital, which is a great, I mean, that's how Warren Buffett built uh, Berkshire Hathaway was largely through just reinvesting the float of companies like Geico and all, all of that. But uh, <clears throat> we're coming up on time here, uh, MC. And if, if our listeners wanted to, to learn more about you and what you have going on and what would be the best way for them to be able to learn more about you or get in contact with you? No, I appreciate uh, you asking. They could go to cashflowninja.com where we have over 650 podcast episodes. There's a ton of other 
community resources there. One, uh, for your listeners, if they want to learn more about how to become your own bank, where I share a lot of the things that we teach around life insurance, collateralizing other assets, they can go to yourownbankingsystem.com. It's yourownbankingsystem.com and Cashflow Ninja and just check, check us out. Absolutely. We'll drop all of that in the show notes below for everybody who's listening. I uh, want to thank you for coming on the show today, MC, and discussing everything everything that you discussed. It was eye-opening for me, and I had a lot of great insights now to take away and think about. So thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.